So I just want to pop a quick disclaimer before this episode. I am going to be talking about British imperialism, um, which of course is a very difficult thing to talk about. I mean, I'm British myself, um, but I'm not condoning anything that the British did during this period. I can admit that British imperialism changed the world for for better or for worse. Um, There's no escaping it. Um, Britain really did a lot um, from 1600s onwards. Um, But like I said, I'm I'm not condoning anything that happened. I am just going to be relating what happened to you um, as it happened. And you do have to remember that as much as she broke moulds, Jane Austen was a product of her time. And none of this is designed to make you feel any differently about any of the characters or about her either. That said, let's go on with the show. Welcome back to The Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. This week we are carrying on with our look into Sense and Sensibility and the themes and um, historical background that we get in that novel. Uh, And to that end, today we are going to be looking at the British presence in India. So, in Sense and Sensibility, we are introduced to the character of Colonel Brandon. Now, Jane doesn't give us an awful lot of information about why or how Brandon is a colonel and where it is that he served. We do know that he served in the East Indies uh, after a conversation that Marianne has, and we know that he is familiar with things that are found in India. Um, So we can assume that at least for some of his tenure as a soldier, he was stationed in India. Though, serving in India was quite a lot different to serving in any other British army. So, as you are no doubt aware, India was a British colony right up until 1947, when the, the partition of India took place. That was a terrible event uh, and from here on out I just want you to take it as read that I am very unimpressed with anything that the British do in India. Um, India was ruled by our monarch um, starting with Queen Victoria and um, any monarch that ruled was also Empress or Emperor of India until 1947 but it didn't start off that way. It started off with a trading company If you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you'll know which company it is that I'm talking about. You may know anyway, um, but I can definitely say that it's in that film. That's probably where you've heard about it. Um, And this company, the one that started British um, presence in India, was the East India Trading Company. And it did exactly what it says on the tin. It was a trading company sent to the East Indies to have a British monopoly on trade in that area. Britain was a very big colonial power in this time, but they weren't the only ones, and they were doing competition uh, with lots of other countries, particularly the French, the Dutch, and the Portuguese. 
So the East India Company started trading in India in about 1612, so long, long, long before Jane was born. Uh, and when they first went to India, their mission was trade. That was it. There were a lot of basic commodities that they could get in India, uh, including, but not limited to, cotton, indigo dye, salt, silk, spices, saltpetre, tea and opium. So lots of things that the British public wanted. Um, so they, for about the first century of their time in India, that is all that the East India Company does. They are having skirmishes and competitions with the French uh, East India Company and the Dutch East India Company as well. Um, but it's not until 1757 and the Battle of Plassey, which was uh, another part of the Seven Years' War, um, that Britain sort of takes over control in India uh, through the East India Company. Um, during the Battle of Plassey, um, the East India Company defeat the Mughal Empire, uh, Bengali armies, and the French East India Company as well. And they do take control of that part of India. But it isn't necessarily the British army um, specifically that takes part in this battle. Uh, the East India Company actually has its own army by this point, and they are under the control of Robert Clive. And this, potentially, is where Colonel Brandon would come in to Britain's history. Now, Sense of Sensibility was written in the 1790s, so Colonel Brandon in that story is the wrong side of 35, uh, so somewhere between 35 and 40, I would say, uh, which means that he definitely wasn't at the Battle of Plassey. He probably wouldn't have been born by then. <laughs> um, but from what uh, we get from Jane about Colonel Brandon's service, um, he was in the East Indies, which means that he was more likely than not part of the East India Company's army. Um, after the Battle of Plassey, they are there to keep control, to keep British control, uh, the East India Company's control in the area, and to fight against the French, the Dutch, the Portuguese, and the native belligerents, as they were called at the time. At first, these East India Company armies were made up entirely of Indian soldiers that they took uh, from the land they were occupying. Uh, but as it developed, um, the East India Company, or the, the presidencies of British India, as they became known, um, had three main stations in India at Calcutta, Madras and Bombay. Um, and these armies were the ones that contained European soldiers as well. And this would be where Colonel Brandon was posted. From the age brackets for Colonel Brandon that Jane gives us, uh, this wrong side of 35 um, to possibly about 40, this would place Colonel Brandon in India um, mid-1770s at the earliest, most probably the 1780s. Uh, and some of the 1790s as well, potentially. Um, this means uh, that he would have been in India for the Second Anglo-Mysore War, 
the Third Anglo-Mysore War and the First Anglo-Maratha War as well. I'm not going to speculate exactly what Brandon did while he was in India. Um, there was obviously a lot going on between the British and the natives and the British didn't pe treat people very kindly at all during this period and yes I know that's understating it massively um, but we do know that uh, Colonel Brandon obviously uh, held a very high position well not very high sort of middling I suppose um, a colonel in rank is sort of between a major and uh, the brigadier um, so higher than a captain but uh, not as, as big as a brigadier. And according to the British Army website, colonels are not usually field commanders. Um, they typically serve as staff officers between field commands at battalion and brigade levels. Um, so it may be that Colonel Brandon wasn't actually out in the field at all. He was a member of the military staff rather than an active soldier. It would seem that Colonel Brandon didn't stay out in India very long. Um, at the start of Sense and Sensibility, we find out that he's come home because his elder brother has died. Um, it was a very common thing for second sons to go into the army or the clergy, etc., etc., um, which also uh, happens in Sense and Sensibility as well between the Ferris brothers. But when Colonel Brandon's brother dies, he becomes the head of the house and he has to come back from India to take over their family's legacy. And that is where possibly Colonel Brandon fits into British history. Now, for the context of Sense and Sensibility, for the heroines Marianne and Eleanor and most of the women in the novel, Colonel Brandon's character comes from his past with his elder brother, the woman he loved, and that woman's daughter. Um, so his service doesn't particularly matter to the ladies, other than giving him a name to call him by. But for the gentleman, this would have been a very important character trait for Colonel Brandon, and it was how he would have gained respect and standing in society. And though Jane doesn't reference it overtly as such, it is something that she could have reasonably expected her readers to know about Colonel Brandon. And this is where we get one of our big arguments about Jane Austen today. Um, for a lot of scholars, Jane is criticised because she doesn't deal head on with the historical events that are going on around her uh, and are happening while she is writing these novels. She certainly doesn't mention them for example, the way that Charles Dickens does. Um, but you have to remember, Jane's novels were escapist. They were dealing with everyday life. Um, and as I said, it is reasonable to expect that the people that were reading her novels knew what was going on. Um, they knew about the wars and colonisation and everything horrible that was going on in the British Empire at this time uh, and they were reading Jane's novels because they didn't want to think about it and um, the events do show up in the background but they're certainly not the main focus of the story and that is the whole point um, but of course on the other hand because it's not mentioned overtly people seem to think that it doesn't matter 
to her novels what the historical context was. And I really don't agree with that. Um, I think, like I said, there would have been this understanding by the people that were reading it at the time. And by studying the historical events that are going on while Jane was writing her novels, I think we can really start to get an idea uh, of where she was coming from and it will help us understand her novels today. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austenite. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, like it, share it, tweet it, etc, etc. Give me some comments, let me know. Uh, and hopefully I will see you next week for the next episode. So once again, as always, thanks for listening and happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author. <laughs>